In today's episode, Dave interviews Laura Hall. Laura is a musical director for Whose Line Is It Anyway? She's toured nationally with Drew Carey and the Improv All-Stars and has played for The Groundlings, Noyance Theater, I.O., Opening Night the Musical, and Theater Sports. She's an alum of the Second City where she was also the musical director. She travels the country playing in her band, The Sweet Potatoes, and teaches musical improv with her husband, Second City alum, and former ADD comedy guest, Rick Hall. At the end of today's interview, we have a special bonus track of Laura's band, The Sweet Potatoes, performing Anyone But Me. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. Uh, no, what, what Ian does is, so we've started. You can have a tissue. Okay. Yeah, sure, you're gonna cry. <laughs> you're gonna I tell miss. me what Ian does. <laughs> I can't believe what Ian's doing. Um, no, so what Ian does is he, uh, I send this to him via Dropbox, and then he zhuzhes it up for wherever he is. Uh-huh. He does the EQ and all that. And oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you handed me a, a bio, which I think is great, but not but. You handed me a bio, which I think is great. Uh, your website really explains you very well. Oh, well, thank you. Don't you think? I, I do. I have to say, I was just at one of those conferences where they, uh, one of the workshops was like, uh, looking at your website, and they ripped it. <laughs> I would rip my website. I would totally rip my website. One, so they ripped your website? They ripped no, it. they ripped it to shreds. They did. They were, they, yeah, what, they were all they the things. So it's laurahall.com, right? Laurahall.com. Yeah. Um, I think it, they were like, well, you've got too many things on it. I'm like, because I do a million different things. You know, they, you're not supposed to have more than eight pages or something. Anyway, you know. But your, uh, what I noticed about your website, we're going to talk about website. Okay. Now, what I noticed about your website is at the top, it just, there's like eight categories, right? There's yeah. eight pages at least. Yeah. And these eight pages, because I've got a lot, I've got like 15. I have too many. They would really rip me to shreds. But it, the eight that you have are very clear on what it is. Uh, you have your music, your faith, which I didn't go into because I thought we'd talk about it if we could. Uh, your music, your faith, um, whose line? What are the other? Uh, um, improv karaoke, right. which is the improv uh, music CD. improv CD that I have. Right. Uh, my band, The Sweet Potatoes. Right. I have kids' music. I've done film work. Right. So it's a little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah, and you have a resume and you have a bio. Yeah. And the bio is really clear. Oh, good. Do you? Um, here's another thing that I. This is. The idea of promoting yourself, because I think that you're doing it well. I think that you do it well, and you've been doing it well for a really, really long time, you and Rick. Thank you. You really, like since the, um, what's the show that you had that you ran? Uh, Rick's show, Pig Boy? Yeah, you, yes. you did. You dealt, and you I were, did music You for did that, music yeah. for that. Yeah. But you guys have been promoting. You're one of the first people, first people that I knew that really promoted the shit out of your show. <laughs> really, really did, and then to to see what you're doing now, you do it with such joy. Do you, uh, there's no oh, we can't tell people what we're doing. Yeah, you know, people do that. Oh, I know, and I sort of had to get over that because there was a part of me that was like, either it sound, either I'm not going to say anything because I'm embarrassed to or something, or else I feel like it's over, over self-grandizing or something you right. know and but then you have to you kind of have to come to terms with it and 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 just embrace it and for me the big thing was actually Sam Bennett was the one who I was just thinking Sam Bennett I was just because she's Sam so Bennett. good with all this yeah stuff. I was thinking Sam Bennett is our friend who is um she oh my god how would you describe Sam she was on she was on the podcast oh was she yeah, yeah. And, and she's just a spirit that just says get up and do it just do it maybe that's right. the name of her book yeah uh, get it get it done is get, it done. Right. get it done right. you can't be clear yeah you can't be clear but but she was the one who said really any promo should feel like you're chatting with someone at a cocktail party it can feel that way it can feel like you it can feel that like if someone at a cocktail party said, so what projects are you working on? And you could just tell them. And I'm like, oh, duh. You know, that was a big light bulb for me mm-hmm. that it could be that easy, that it didn't have to be, I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread, you know, and, and it, and so I've kind of embraced it and ran with it. You didn't kind of, you embraced it. Oh. And ran with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you're right. It is that conversation that you're having with somebody where somebody says, what are you doing? What are you up to? Yeah. And you aren't saying, uh, what are you doing? What are you up to? And you're not thinking, oh, I'm about to tell this person something and their eyes are going to glaze over. You're saying, I'm going to tell this person something. They like who it is that I am and they're excited for what it is that I'm doing. And maybe they'll come to it, buy it, see it, talk about it. 
um, do all those things, which is really all that I'm asking any, anybody to do is to do that. But I have to be the one that's going to say, hey, I'm doing this cool thing. Right, right. And I do it every single day. Every day I wake up, every single day I wake up and say, I want people to know what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, and we live in a time right now where we get to do that. Yeah. It's, it's you know, it's both like overwhelming sometimes and then, but really remarkable. Yes. And that people can, if they like, especially if they like something that's a niche, you know, if it, like, you know, Rick and I teach music. Rick Hall, your husband. My husband, Rick, mm -hmm. yes. We teach music improv workshops. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's a niche within a niche. Right. 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 So that people who are interested in it will look everywhere for it. You know, they want to be able to find it. They want us to come to their time. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're they want it, they want to go on the website and read more about it. They want to do that. And when I look at it that way, like, oh, here's this thing that's kind of uh, it is a niche within a niche, but there are people in the world who want it then it makes it sort of easy to put it out there. Yes. And you have, to, you, you have to go in, because you guys, you and Rick, are just two of the most positive people that I know. Really positive. And when I think about the two of you, I think about the two. When I think about the two of you, I think about the two of you. And I also think about the unit that you are. And I think about the family that you are. And I think about the work that you've done. And uh, there's just, um, to, to be, to, people want to hang out with you. You know what I mean? Uh, and that's one, that's one thing about promoting yourself too, is the idea that I like what I do, you do what I do, or you're interested in what it is that I'm doing. Let's get together and you pay me. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> right? That's true. Let's get together and you pay me. So I think that you've been to places that I've been to this year mm -hmm. um, because I we are essentially doing the same thing, right? You know, right. A, a niche within a niche because that's really what it is. We're you're doing the music end, and I'm and I'm doing the improv acting end that is also has elements of you know spirituality to it as well, which I think that you you do as well in a, mm -hmm. in a different market, mm -hmm. right? Right. Yeah. And um, we're we're living we're living large. Do you think about it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. And um, which isn't to say that it isn't hard work sometimes, you know what I mean? But we are, we're, li we're, we're living, we're doing what we love to do. Mm -hmm. How lucky is that, you know? Right. Like, this is a weird comparison, but I just saw the CMAs and... Uh, mm -hmm. and Country Musical Arts. Uh, yes. And um, when, oh, I'm, I'm blanking on her name, but she won the best new female vocalist. And basically her thank you was... I can't believe that this is my job. I can't believe that I get to do what I love to do every mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. And this is how I make my living. And I'm like, you know, that's exactly how I feel. Right. <laughs> she, her job, your job, my job is her, you, and me. And what I mean by that is her job is, is her. Your job is you. Right. My job is right. me. Right. And when one says, I can't believe that I get paid to do this, what they're really saying is, I can't believe that I get paid to be me and you're paying me to be me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And we get to that point. I think that we get to that point because for me, I look, I look at things that I, I don't have a lot of things in my life where I go, oh, I wish I got that, but I didn't get that. I wish that I had gotten that job, but I didn't get that job. I don't even know what that would be. Like a regret, or I don't even know if that's a regret. What would you call that? Where you go, yeah. a missed opportunity. Yeah. That's it. I don't know that I've, I, I, if somebody says, what were some missed opportunities? I don't think there's one. Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. And I think, you know, my whole career has been such a surprise to me. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like that, it, that things that I didn't do and then things that did come up that turned out to be fantastic that who would have ever known? You know what I mean? Like, so to me, you're just, you're kind of cruising along and some things, some things you'll get and some you won't and you, you, you can't, actually Rick is so good at letting go of things that he doesn't get because actors have it more. Mm -hmm. You have more like daily auditions that you don't get. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I don't audition that much. I mm -hmm. never have. It's sort of a different, there are certainly things I don't get, but the, it's a different, it's different for me as a musician. 
but Rick is so good at like it sometimes it comes together and sometimes it doesn't and you know you, you sort of have to give it up to the universe you know you gotta let go of it and and know that you're on the path to something else sometimes you don't sometimes you get it and sometimes you get something else right right um, and it's that it's that sometimes you get something else where you if you say sometimes I get it sometimes I don't you go ah that's, I'm ending that sentence and don't yeah you're right you're right it is because there's something else waiting there that is, you can't even see right, right. <laughs> when we moved to LA from Chicago um, you know I'd been doing tons of improv in Chicago and I was like I'm not gonna do improv in LA I want to focus on being a songwriter I want to play in bands I want to do all these other things that I had I was doing in Chicago but hadn't been my forefront mm -hmm. plus playing improv shows in bars is a really hard way to make a living like it there it felt like there was a ceiling and I had hit that ceiling so I'm like I'm gonna you know this is gonna be a new leaf and I'm gonna reinvent myself so I came and started writing and playing in bands and then like a year later I got the uh, invitation to audition for Who's Line and I was like oh I'm doing improv again Woo! <laughs> but you're doing it and the, the interesting thing is uh, so you were the would you call yourself the musical director of uh -huh. Who's Line is that what yeah. it was that was the job um, and look at that is certainly surprising that's <laughs> surprising because there's that thought of oh there's this thing that is perfect for me that was out there that found me yeah yeah and I didn't even I didn't even know it was out there and I I did that was something that I did audition for like right. I said I hardly ever audition and I did walk into the audition going this is perfect for me and I'm perfect for this right I know how to do this right you know and so I walked in feeling really confident and then I auditioned with Wayne Brady and Brad Sherwood and all three of us got hired out of that audition so you know which is right. another thing of that when you're improvising together you're all making each other look good especially those two guys and yeah. you yeah yeah so we all made each other look good and right. we all got the gig right you know right yeah and the gigs that came from that gig and because yes. it yes it's the money but it's also the inspiration and I think not a lot of people a lot of people will look at that but inspiration it's not it's it's the inspiration but it's also the opportunities the opportunities that that you following your inspiration that you continuing with your inspiration always opens doors for you of opportunities and again just because you don't walk in that room doesn't mean you're not going to walk into another room right right um, and like look at those guys yeah certainly Wayne yeah and certainly Brad you know, Brad, again, Brad's doing sort of like you and I are doing right now, which is hitting the road, right? Yeah, yeah. And he also does a lot of uh, two-handers with Colin. Right. They have got a whole... Colin Mockery. Yeah, Colin Mockery. They have got a whole thing, and they do fantastic shows, family-friendly. They got... They've really figured out how to do this thing that they love and that they can draw... A, a nice audience too. Right. It's yeah. interesting that you say that both those things and money didn't come into either of that. You know what I mean? It's what yeah, they the, do and they you know it, yeah. It, yeah they they they've figured it out and people come to it. Yeah. It's not they figured it out and they're making they're making bank. Which right. they probably which are. they are, right. I'm sure. Yeah. I can't imagine they're not. Yeah. No. But but yeah they figured it out and they figured out who wants to come to it and they're drawing those people to it. And right. That's the yeah. In them figuring out what people want is it that they figured out what people want or is it they did it and people found them because I don't know that um, I can't see the two of them sitting going scratching their head over with a pencil and an open you know blank piece of paper I think that they just did what it was that they did and yes evolved. yes you're right that you're right I know there as they went there ha there were some things that they you know like they realized right off the bat that people really loved when people get up on stage so they do a ton of that of audience stuff so yeah you're right it's evolved they figured it out as they went and the other big piece was that it, if it's family friendly because there's not a whole lot of comedy that families can go to because you can't laugh you know what I mean you can't laugh at something you know if your kids are there or whatever right. so they figure you know that was something that they sort of went like oh we could make this conscious choice and then it opens it up for more people and right. makes it accessible to more people. 
So it is a conscious choice, but it is also sort of a natural evolution of doing it. Certainly, because yeah. they were drawn toward that because what it was that sparked something within them drew them toward that. Right. I think it's really interesting that Colbert was at the press club in front of Bush one year, and it was just, do you remember that? Yeah. Where, and and it, was, it was just this, where he just nailed Bush. He just kept going at him. And the next time it was, um, uh, it was Brad and Colin at the press club doing that dancing with Karl Rove. And to look at them and go, oh, they went the total different direction. Whoever selected that went, we can't have that. So we're going to have these two people uh, right. who are family friendly. We know that they're family friendly. Right. And we know uh, someone did their homework on yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's another thing, too, is, is the idea of look at the people that we know and look what they've done. Oh, my God. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. I, who else? It's really unbelievable. <laughs> you know, it really, really is unbelievable that you look at all the people that we know who are in orbit. You yeah. know, they, they're, they're in the ether. Yeah. They're on another level. Yeah, yeah. You know, Rick was just saying we were talking about Key and Peele. Mm -hmm. And because uh, we're friends with Keegan. Yeah. And, uh, what a he, guy. Oh, what a great guy. And Rick said, it just occurred to me. Like, these guys are going to be the Martin and Lewis of this generation. They're going to be, you know, they've changed, they've changed comedy, and they're going to be, for, for kids in their 20s now, as they grow up, they're going to be what Martin and Lewis was or what, you know, and I'm like, wow, I hadn't thought about that. But it's true. Right, right. That's amazing. That really is amazing. I'm trying to think of other duos that we grew up with, because do you have to go back to those guys? I oh, think right. you really have to go back to those guys. For, for a duo like that. Right. Like, Cheech and Chong. Cheech and Chong. Lovely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They were a very specific. Right. They were very, but they were a duo. You're right. Yeah. You're right. How about no two women duos? What are the two women duos? That's true. That's true. We need, we need like the, the, oh, yeah, that's really true. I can't think of one. I can't think of one. There's not one. Yeah. Is there one? Maybe there is one, and people are now shouting at their radios. Yeah, radios. going, how come radio. you haven't heard of... <laughs> right. What do you mean? Right. They're, not up, right? yeah. they're not bringing up... They're not bringing up and... Right. Mm -mm. Um, there aren't. Yeah, that's a good point. It's time. It's I can't time. believe it hasn't it's happened. Time. But yeah. you've also seen, and you and I both have seen, uh, because we're in our 30s, we've seen <laughs> a lot of... We've seen the evolution of women in comedy. Oh, yes. And it's really a phenomenal thing that's happened that I don't know it's been, maybe it has been talked about. Uh, I've certainly talked about it, but uh, the, the content, all right, the content that women talk about now was so different, but it's also the way that men in, in, in improv, the way that men re responded Respond to, to yeah. Yeah, so, and in improv, so it's like, um, let me call my mom. Mom, or... Uh, let me, uh, you know, let's get the nurse in. Right. Lady nurse, let's get the right. nun in. Nun, right. as opposed to, let's call the doctor. Here she comes. Right. The judge is coming. Sh she's really mad. And, right. like, all those things that have changed. Yeah. And I think it is because guys have gone, wait a minute. Or, because I don't remember anyone saying, if you make me a nun again, <laughs> I'm going to lose it. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's it. That's a really good point. And and even the the, you know, when when we were at Second City was the fairly strict two women in a cast and two women and four you know, or five men. Yeah, and that was the maximum. And you know, obviously now that's not anymore. And actually, there are some places that have a really strong female improv scene, like Austin. Oh yeah, is a town where there are a lot of fantastic women improvisers. And it's not unusual to see a cast with five men and one, I mean, five women and one man, you know. And so it's, you know, it's sort of like the thing of becoming colorblind, which in a, in a really good way, that it doesn't matter that if you have a black guy in the cast, it's no longer that the black, the black guy is always the thug or is right. always, you know, right. that he can be anyone. The right. women can be anyone, you know, and, yeah. and it has changed quite a bit. It's also really interesting how, uh, if you have a scene with a gay couple, 
it, the point of the scene isn't the gay couple. The point of the scene is whatever the couple is going through. Right. It's not like, oh my God, there's gays. It's like, oh my God, I'm a real estate agent and I don't think that they can afford the house. You know, right. they're just a couple. Right, right. And how much that has changed. Yes. Yes. And it's, and that, yes, that's exactly right. And that being, being gay used to consistently be the punchline. And now it's sort of not the punchline. It's part of the, or it can be, but it's, it's part of the setup. Right. It's part of the, just, these are just two characters. Yes. Yeah. Which is fantastic. It really is fantastic because it, what it also does is it, it also opens you up to just in terms of content, it opens you up to so many more things. Yeah. Two men, two women in a, in a union. What does that mean? What are society and culture's expectations, American society and American culture's expectations of that, that as an improviser or a comedian or an author or a playwright can right. look at and go, okay, great. Like, what's that dynamic? Right, right. Like, look at, look at how much Jill Soloway's gotten out of Transparent. Oh, my what God. What a fascinating, you know, let's unpack what it is to be a family that deals with this, and, and in a real way. It's not a cartoon. On Amazon. Yes. yes. And, uh, you know, and that, that is so fantastic to me, and that there is a wide audience for it as right. well. Yeah. That's the thing. That goes back to uh, uh, Colin and Brad, that there you do what you do, and, the, and people will come to it. Right. Yeah. I watched, <laughs> I, watched uh, I downloaded on my iPad Afternoon Delight, her movie, have you seen that? Do you know what it's about? I haven't yet. Well, you know what it's about. Yes. Okay. I didn't know what it's about. And I just like, oh, Jill's movie. Oh, you know what? I'm going to be on a long plane ride in New York to L.A. And I'll just watch it on the plane. There should be a warning that this is not airplane uh, friendly. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, this movie has, like, it... If there's, I mean, it is, it's not that, it's not that it's untastefully done or tastefully done. It has nothing to do with it. It's like, these are real people doing real things. Right. And the point of it isn't to be salacious and the point of it isn't to go, hello. It's not porn. But if you're holding on to your iPad <laughs> and suddenly there's this scene going on and you're going, oh, oh my God. And I had it right in front of me and this woman is next to me on her laptop. You know, the plates are crowded. Yeah. There. And she's right next to my laptop. And like this thing happens. I'm going, oh, shit, oh my God. And I'm aiming it. And luckily I have a window seat so I it was clearly not safe for airplanes right. NSFA right. not safe for airplanes but going back to 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 Jill um because Jill is also it's interesting because Jill is uh, Jill is also on the podcast too I have had you are in good company I of am of course you are yeah of course you are um but Jill said something really interesting as I was watching this movie and there were just so many things that popped into this movie that you go, oh, I didn't expect that to happen. I didn't expect that to happen. And um, what Jill said, Jill said, I am not, I am not in charge of what, I am not, I'm going to say in charge of what I said, I'm not in charge of what comes into my head. I'm a conduit and I am a tube and all this stuff runs through me. I am not picking it. It's just, it, it's just what's coming down the pipe and I look at it because I'm open towards it. And you have that, essentially the movie is about this family gets this stripper into their house and he becomes a roommate uh, in a way. And the relationship of that and to go, okay, you just kept saying yes to the ideas that were coming, yes to the ideas that were coming, mm -hmm. yes to the ideas that were coming. And then you have, a because you kept saying yes to things, what it was that we saw was not what it was that we've seen. What it was right. that we saw is not what it was that we have in the past have seen. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. And that goes with our lives, too. Oh, definitely. What it was that we do is not what it was that anybody has done before. Right. Right. I've, I've asked people this before, and it's, have you ever, could you ever imagine doing what it is that you're doing? I mean, I know you said you're surprised, but look at the extent. You are not just one thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. You, you are whatever it is that you've wanted to be. Right. And you're doing those things. And I like, I really like, for me personally, that it's a lot of different things. I've always been um, I, creatively, like, I love that right now I'm working on a musical. My band is touring. I'm teaching. You know what I mean? Like, I, I love having this wide variety of things that I do because, to me, 
they're all sort of stimulating to each other and they all uh, kind of feed your creative thing. Not everybody's that way. Like I know a lot of creative people who are more single-minded mm -hmm. and sometimes I wish I was, you know, because the, the downside of my creativity is that sometimes I'm, I'm everywhere all over the map and I have to uh, figure out how to focus myself, mm -hmm. you know. But the other side of it is that I've always been that way. I've always been interested in a lot of different things, you know. And they feed it, and these things feed into the things that feed into the things yes. that feed into the yes. things. I don't yes. know. Yeah. And going back on that, going back to the thing of like single, single mindery. I won't say that. <laughs> single mindery. Um, uh, I that is a that is a type of a person. That is a type of yes. an artist. Yes. Like a. You know, a Leontine Price, who's an opera singer, and that's what she does. She does that one thing. She's totally passionate about that one thing. Mm -hmm. And she's one of the best in the world. You yes. know what I mean? Like, and there's a part of me that goes, boy, that'd be so cool to be, have that one thing that was just totally your passion. But. Have you heard of Gibson and Camp? Uh-huh. Um, so Hamilton Camp of Gibson and Camp was, I mean, these guys were great folk singers. Mm -hmm. And I was just listening, I was in New York and I was on the subway and I was listening to, the, to their classic album from the uh, Gate of Horn in Chicago. Um, and their harmonies are fantastic. Mm -hmm. And they're good, and it's just two of them. Their harmonies are fantastic. Their, uh, their, their, their vocal strength is fantastic. Their guitar playing is fantastic. Uh, their, the union of their guitars is fantastic. And you go, oh, yeah. And you know what else he was? He was a Second City alumni. Right, right. He was on Second City. He was right. he was a main stage Second City actor. Right, and and I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong, that Bob Gibson was also a, did voiceover. Bob Gibson did voiceover. Bob Gibson was also a teacher at the Old Town School of Folk Music. Mm -hmm. Bob Gibson was a I was a brother-in-law of the man that I consider really my uncle, Nate Lofton. Um, I think he was married. He was married to Nate's. I'm I've I've had many interactions with him. Uh -huh. I had many interactions with him. But I, I also believe that he taught me guitar huh. at the Old Town School. I could be wrong because I had a lot of teachers over there. Yeah. I used to teach there. Uh, at the one on Armitage? Uh-huh. Yeah, before they built the new one. Yeah. I was at the one that was on Sedgwick. Oh, wow. That was the one that I... Because yeah. my mom and dad were two of the first students at the Old Town School of Folk Music. Wow, When it was on North and Sedgwick. Wow. Which is now, uh, I think, a Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> but boy, I remember exploring that awesome Victorian building. It was dark, and the rooms were dark, and the ceilings were tall, and it was all wooden. And the people that you saw there, and the, there was a guy there who ran it called Win Strockey, and Win Strockey ran that. And Win Strockey, Win Strockey was his name. <laughs> that was his name. Uh, and an amazing song songwriter. Uh, uh, amazing guitar player like that. Chicago was just is just such a great ground for inspiration. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking today when I was really excited that you were coming over because and I of course I we this has taken a long time for us to have this chat. Right. And it's great because we're working. Um, but I, one of the things that I was thinking about was the idea of collaboration and the idea of union and the idea of the idea of collaboration union and uh, 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 being a couple and you and Rick like how that all works and how exciting that is to have your and this is assumptions that I'm making your best friend be your collaborator and be your biggest fan and be someone that can look at you and know that he is part of you and you're part of him and this union that you have together is is all about just moving forward yes it is it's very cool it's also sometimes challenging you know we started the first thing that we well we met at second city we worked together there but in a way that's kind of different because we were both hired by second city but the first project we created together was pig boy right uh, and the show that rick wrote the show that rick wrote and, and you wrote the music and i did the music right, right. and um, and he toured that and we toured with that and had i'm sorry very, i just want to ask another question where oh, did it run in chicago oh shoot did it run in etc no. Oh, I can't remember the name of it. I'm going to think of it when I can't. Mm -hmm. um, it was the same place Angels in America played in the big space. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh -huh. um, uh, uh, uh. And, then, and then 
later on. The organic remains. Um, oh, it had two names. I'm thinking Noble Fool, but that's not it. Mm -hmm. Briar King? Street. Did it have King in it? <sighs> not gonna answer. Or Chrome. Right. I, I can't think of it right now. Mm -hmm. I might think of it when I'm not trying to. Someone is shouting at there. Yeah, it's, it's the uh, named after those two women. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so it ran there, and then we toured. We did a lot of touring in the Midwest with it because yeah. it's very a very Midwestern story. Yeah, smaller cities, right? Yes, all smaller cities. Yeah, I smaller and cities. we. I still I love playing smaller cities mm -hmm. I, for for everything, but um, that was our first sort of collaborative thing. We were already married when we did it. The, the sort of deal we started with was that if collaborating became too stressful, we were going to quit working on the show together because the marriage was the most important part. Because it is stressful. You know, it can be or has the potential to be. And, you know, we've certainly seen plenty of Richard and Linda Thompsons in the world right. who, have, you know, right. ended up screaming at each other on stage. So that went very smoothly. <laughs> it, we were like, okay, you know, we kind of went into it like... Let's keep testing, making sure it's good. Yeah, oh, yeah. And uh, and and it was so. Then you know, but now we teach together. Right. We we're in a band together. He's in the Sweet Potatoes. He plays bass yeah. and harmonica. So we're we do a lot together, and um, and it's it, it's really cool because you have such an intuitive language. Right. Right. We already have a very intuitive sense of what the other person is doing. And really, any great collaboration, that's that's part of it. It's a huge part of it. It's having an intuitive connection with the, with the other person or people in your band, your improv group, your play, whatever your it marriage. is, you know, your marriage. And um, so it's good. Logistically, the trickiest part is that when we're on the road, we're both on the road together and the kids are home. In a way, it's easier when one or the other of us is on the road right. and the other stays home and holds down the fort. Right. Uh, so that's the logistical issue because, like, the last couple of months we had a whole bunch of sweet potato stuff. And a that's whole, the band. Yeah, that's the band. And then a whole bunch of improv workshops that we taught. Mm -hmm. um, we were in Boston, and then I had a gig in New Hampshire, and then we were in St. Louis and Oakland. So, we, you know, we've traveled a lot, and the kids, uh, you know, after – couple months of it they're like are you gonna be home yet or what right you know and they are older but they're teenagers so it's not like they're little kids but that's the logistical challenge of it right but on all other levels it's really fantastic yeah yeah and I really like teaching with Rick I think we're really good teachers that's together. awesome co-teaching is really uh, it's co-teaching with somebody that you really like is really <laughs> because it's one voice. Yeah. Uh, I've taught with, um, I think I've taught, co-taught with Joe Bill and I co-taught with Susan Messing. Uh, and um, it's one of these things where you're going, yeah, yeah, I don't know that I agree with that. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever it is saying, going, I, I think a little differently than that. Right. Um, the idea of the intuitive, of the fact that you know where that you know where that thought is coming from, and you know where that thought is going to. Mm -hmm. You know the inspiration of that, and you also know that you may be handed off this topic. You may be handed this topic in a moment, mm -hmm. or you may seamlessly take that topic. Right. And it goes back to what I've really been thinking about lately in improvisation. I, I teach a very specific. I think I teach a specific. Specific doesn't need a modifier. I teach a specific uh, way of going into the, the work. And the way that I teach is we're aware of everything that we're doing. Like I'm aware of your shape, the shape that you're in, the way that you're sitting, the gestures that you're making. You're aware of the shape that I'm in, the gestures that I'm making. You're aware of when I move and when I don't move. You're aware of when I get up and when I don't get up. You're aware also of what it is that I said and there's an expectation that I have when I say something to you of what it is that I want you to respond to. Mm -hmm. So essentially, it's this. I know that you know that I know that you know <laughs> what's happening right now. Does that right. make sense? Right. So when we're working on that level, there's nothing that can get away from us because we are here with everything and we are aware of everything. But we're not overburdened because we're, we're, we're so simple in what it is that we're doing. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And, That's very cool. And, and, and so when we're working with somebody on a collaboration, it really comes down to, uh, when we're working with somebody on a collaboration, it just comes down to there is not, there, there is not, are not, there is not two voices. There is one voice that is a union of both of us just saying, just finishing, essentially finishing each other's sentences. Right, right, yeah, yeah. And that's what's really cool about it. Because it is like, a, it is like performing together. It is like doing improv together, you know. And I was just talking with a friend of mine that teaches a lot, and she said, oh, teaching is totally performing. And it is, and, and the, the energy and the, uh, and the attentiveness is mm. definitely the same. Being in the moment of what's happening for your students, you know, what's happening around you, that attentiveness is definitely the same as if, as if you were improvising with them. Yes. You know? And so, yes, yeah, so then you have the, the, the connection between you and the other teacher, and then both of you together and all the students. Right. And it, that's, the, that's the interesting part. That's the really interesting part. It is it is an improv scene. All teaching yeah. is one long improv scene. Yeah. Um, but it's also, it's interesting too, because it's also a scripted show. Right. There, there are elements of that, definitely. Uh, I will know what it is that I'm saying. <laughs> I will know that I am about to tell a joke. And when I say a joke, I mean within context. As an example, like, oh, this example has always gotten a laugh, right. so I'm going to say that. I was just right. talking to somebody about that yesterday, where it's essentially you're coming to see my stand-up show, but I'm also working with you on a very different level, right. too. You know, and I'm sure that you and Rick have things that you go, you want to take this joke? I'll take this joke. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Joke. Because you know it's the way to do this section that you're introducing. You know it's the way, yeah. I just took a songwriting workshop. I will not say who the teacher was, mm -hmm. but... He had it was over two days, mm -hmm. and the end of the first day you could take one or either or both. You know, at the end of the first day though, he did a total teaser for the next day. So three quarters of us went back the next day. He used the same jokes the next day. Oh, no. He had different material, but he recycled his jokes. And I'm like, oh, you know that most of the people in the room were here yesterday. And did he say some of you've heard this already? No. no. And I was like, you gotta, you got to have a bigger handful of jokes. You, that, you, you know, the workshop yesterday was only an hour and a half, and this is another hour and a half. you got to haul out some new ones. You can't recycle the same jokes with the exact same crap. I totally understand yeah. that. And those of us who have been doing this for a really long time have a pretty big basket full yes. of things of funny. Right. And he's, he's got different material. He's doing right. different material. It wasn't like he did the same material again. So, Yeah could have a different handful of jokes. I was quite surprised. <laughs> that is such an interesting thing because we really, because I think that though, I don't know that teachers really talk about the humor aspect in what it is that, in our, in our material. Because yeah. it really is our material. Yes, it is. There was a student that used one of my jokes in his stand-up. Oh, wow. Oh, that's not okay. Yeah. And he told me, he was like, I use this joke that you said and I use it in my stand-up. It really killed. I'm like, don't do that. What do you mean? What do you mean that's, you did that? Yeah. That's mine. Yeah. That's mine. I'm sorry. I don't mean yeah. to be so proprietary, but But it is. It is mine. And I have and I came to that and I remember I I and I remember coming to that and saying it in class, or it was in class, and somebody like laughing at it and going, that's a really great way for me to get across what it, that particular joke is a really great right. way for me to get across what it is I this want to get. Idea. And you took it and you put it out there and you're not allowed to do that. Yeah. yeah. That's so funny. At least he told you. <laughs> well, I think that he told me uh, so I can go, hey, buddy, that's woo, a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> that's good for you. Keep coming to my class and taking my shit. Right. That's fine. Right. Um, but I also think that he has to know, he's got to know that it's not okay. Oh, yeah. We, we did a workshop once and we had... Um, the, one of the women had ordered our the improv karaoke CD, mm -hmm. and that was sort of how we made the connection. And then she asked me us to come do the workshop. So at the end of the workshop, we're gone. Here we have our CDs for sale. Would you would you uh, explain what it is? I think it's a really awesome idea. Oh, it's um, it's so improv karaoke is a, the it's a two CD set. The first one, so I made all these tracks in different styles, mm -hmm. different musical styles. Yeah, different musical mm -hmm. styles for doing song improv too. 
And it came from people always asking me, like, can you send me a track for a hoedown, which I can't legally, but, you know, or a track for this or that or the other, because we want to do song prof. And I was like, well, I, I can't, anything that's on Who's Line, I can't. Anyway, I created my own, bunch of different styles. It was really fun to do. Then we had people come in the studio. Two CDs. It's two CDs. One. How many styles? So the first CD has 12 styles. Um, and then we had people come into the studio and improvise on it. A whole bunch of people. Keegan, Dan Castellaneta, Ron West, Bruce Green, Julie Cowan. And they improvised on it, and I recorded it. So those are sort of examples for people oh, to hear. I love those people. I know. It was so fun. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We had so much fun. And then, um, and then we do like we do a tutorial. There's like a 20-minute tutorial. Oh. And then there's a little explanation before each one. So I'll go, well, listen to how Keegan came to the chorus and how effective it was Got when it. so-and-so did this. They Got did a it. counter melody or whatever. Keegan's in the movie, too, The Afternoon Delight, by the way. Oh, is he? Doing some things where you go, what? Ah. Oh. But they're they're like things where you go, what? Uh, but not like, what? But like, what? And you're doing it so naturally, it's like, what? Anyway, so the tutorial. Okay, so yeah, so there's a tutorial. So uh -huh. it's like a teaching tool. Right. You, you can use the first ones to learn, and then the second ones you mm -hmm. can use to do it on your own in shows or workshops or, or just for rehearsal or in your car or whatever. So. Um, this woman. So this woman had bought one. Mm -hmm. And we finish the workshop and we're saying we have our CDs. And and certainly that is part of how we make our living is selling the CDs. As you know. It's merch. Yeah. We put up the money ourselves. It's not like we've got some big record company or something. This is our, this is my baby. It's yours. You know, yeah. So they all, 12 people in the room go, oh, we've all got it. And I go, really? Yes, she made copies for all of us. Isn't that great? And I was so stunned. They were so proud of themselves, and to them it was sort of evidence of their fandom, you know. And I had to give the little, well, you know, you know, and I had to remember to do it. Like, at first I was really shocked that they would. <laughs> they wouldn't see it. Be so proud of it, even. Like piracy. Yeah. They're yeah. like, yeah, we're pirates. Yeah, yay, isn't that great? <laughs> you know, and I had to give, you know, the very, well, I'm so excited that you wanted the CD, but here's the reality of it, you know, is that this CD costs me money to make, and then it takes years to earn that money back. Right. And there is no record company. There is no PR firm. Right. It's me, you know. So anyway, uh, but yeah, it's What it's ended so up happening? Did they, did, did they... Did they go, what did they do? What did they say? They didn't end up buying them. They did not. They did not. No, they didn't. Because, because they already they? had it. Right. Um, they, did anybody say, we're so sorry? Or did anybody say, no, they went, oh, really. that's interesting. They were like, yeah. They did look a little like, oh, we never thought of that. That's what it was. We're right. sort of like, huh, that huh. never occurred to us. Wait a minute. There's a product and we copied it. Yeah. And we, wait a minute. Yeah. Which is great. Because I told that guy and you told those people. And hopefully they walked away and they went, hmm. Oh. Maybe Piracy. next time. Yeah. Maybe next time I might not do that. I, I, I think that there's so many things online. Uh, so there's a, there's a le lefty website, Nation of Change or Nation of Courage or something like that, and that needed money. And I'm like, all right. Whenever I do a gig and I come back from a gig, the first people that ask me for money, I will give a donation. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So they were the first ones that got out. And I thought, you know what? They're trying to make, they're trying to make a statement. Uh, some of the things I don't agree with, some of the things I do agree with, they're really trying to make a statement on that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give them money. If there's a software that's free share, free share, is that what they call it? I think so. So where they go, we got this thing and we created it and I use and, it to make something and do something with it. Right. And I like, I like that. I'll give them, I'll throw them $25. And that, I think that we, what people do cost Right. It costs. It costs in time and energy and money. I mean, and, it, and yeah. And one of the things that we have to do, I mean, certainly you, you, you started charging at some point. Right. And also you started saying, you know what, that coaching session that I normally, a coaching session that I historically make X amount, I'm, I'm not feeling good about that. I want to make X plus factor. And right. the moment that you do that, Suddenly, that gig becomes like, oh, this is what I do. This is how I make some money. Right, right. The idea of somebody saying, yeah, we pay our improv coaches um, 
for a two-hour session, $35 or whatever it's going to be. I'm thinking, oh, no, 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 no. My hourly is larger than that. Yeah. And we have to charge. Oh, right. Yes, we definitely do. Because then otherwise we can't keep doing it. But it's also, we have to charge because the moment that we charge, somebody else is going to charge. And then suddenly right. this thing that was a volunteer work now, people are able to pay the rent. You travel, and, and going back to this, where you're saying, there is no, like, I put this record out, I marketed this record, I promoted this record, I put the, um, um, I put the, I put the package together and right. picked the pictures and, and paid and the for the musicians and Clearly, all that, all that right. stuff. You did that. You did that. Now, how did you know to do that? You know to do that because of the experience that you have. You also know to do that because you're like, I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to figure out how to do that. And... You, you and Rick and, and I are very similar in what we do because we're the whole ball game, right. folks. You are the you are you're you're Dave Rosowski Incorporated. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like I you are, yeah. And you're you're Laura Hall and he's Rick Hall and together you're the sweet potatoes and you're all these other things. Right. And you're doing it yourself. Right. You're not at home saying Oh, where's that record contract? Or maybe at one time you were, and then you went, wait a minute, I don't need that. Right. And so many people, I think, are sitting around waiting for that thing to happen, yes. and it's not going to happen. Yes. And there is the, you know, there is that thing that creativity creates creativity, work creates work, uh, connections create connections, relationships create, you know what I mean? Like, you have to be going out and doing it and, and and it's you know part of it is honoring it in yourself like you were saying to say that there's something that I have creatively that there's value out in the world you know and so it's on it's honoring it in yourself first and then going out and doing it and by doing it the only way to do it is to do it you know like the only way to learn to sing on stage is to sing on stage. You can sing in your house all day long. You can take lessons. All that's valuable. But sooner or later, you got to sing on stage. Right. And then you got to learn what there is about singing on stage. The only way to be out there doing your creative thing is to be out there doing your creative thing. What did you say about, you just said, when you go up on stage and all the other things that you learn about being up on stage, is that what you're saying? Uh -huh. Right. See, that goes back to you saying that creativity creates creativity, creates creativity, creates creativity. And the moment that you go on stage, it is not you being on stage. It is, the product is not the song. The product is the process of you being yes. on stage. Yes. And, 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 and again, I, I've said this, in, this is another realization that I had this year was the product is the process. And when we watch improvisation, we're not waiting for the punchline. We're watching the process. Right. We're paying to have that whole process. Right. So what that means is in order for us to know that the product is the process, we, the artists, need to be aware that we're in process. We need to be aware, right. be aware that we're right. at that step in the process. And when we're at that step in the process, you can't be anywhere but where it is that you are because that's what people are watching. You be where you are. Right. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. I mean, really, in all creative things, whether you're in a play or in a band, it is it is that process. But especially in improv, especially in improv, it's about you all all the people on stage being right where they are, and that's why and the, the, people audience in the audience is being there. connected. To that yes, yes, and that's yes. why the audience is there. That's why the audience is there. Yes, because they're connecting to it. Yes, they're wanting to be voyeurs to watch everything that you're doing while they're sitting in the dark and you're lit behind the window that is the fourth wall. Right, right. And if you're not voyeur meat, people are going to go away hungry and never come back to your restaurant. <laughs> wow, there's a quote, a quotable quote. <laughs> I use that in my class. I just want to know. That's, the, that's it right there. Because it's like I was... And at Second City, the people that you really, I know for me, the people that I really loved watching, oh, there's that great scene that, that Rick and Bonnie Hunt and Steve Sheridan and... Um, um, uh, Is it Kevin Crowley? No. Yeah, Kevin, Kevin Crowley, Crowley and Barb Wallace did right. called Les Audiences. And it was right. just such a, a 
that's exactly what that scene was about. An artist who's trying to sell his work, talking to his girlfriend or his wife, whatever it is, yeah. and, and then the, 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 his, his art dealer comes over to the studio and his mom and dad come over and they live on a farm because that's what Rick played really, really well. <laughs> um, they live on a farm and the piece is, and, and it's like, okay, I want to show you my piece. And wide Second City main stage is so wide. And he mimed opening a curtain and he looks at the audience and he says, this is my new piece. Les audiences, and that in exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But it's turning the table right. to say that y'all now—that is, we're on stage—and y'all now are the we are the voyeurs watching what it is that you're doing. Oh, look, right. they look so lifelike. They move, they, their eyes move when we walk from. It looks like their eyes move when we walk from stage right, right to stage right. left. Right. Yeah, it was a really brilliant piece, wasn't it? It really was a brilliant piece, and it and all those brilliant pieces land. They land not just because they're a shtick. They land because they're deeper than that. Mm -hmm. That scene was, the device was the audience as, the device was the audience as um, the art, but really the piece was about a man's relationship with his father and his mother. So it works on both levels. It works on so many different yeah. levels. It works on so many different levels. That's why there's, you know, there's a, you know, that's why I look at some of the stuff that UCB does, and I'm like, you guys are just playing the joke. And when the scene's over, like, what's underneath that? Right. Um, because and that's fine. It's great. That's what they do. But for me, you know, there's that uh, Peggy Lee song. Is that all there is? Because if that's all there is, let's keep dancing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and that's something I've talked about before on this. It's, I want to go deeper. I need to go deeper. Yeah. And it's funny because sometimes people, like, we'll work with improv groups and they'll say, well, you know, we've got a bar audience or we've, you know, they, they don't want that. They, you know, they want the dick jokes. They just want the, they just want to go right to it. And I'm like, but you can. The other side of that coin is you can teach them something new. You're actually in this amazing position because you've already got them. And now you can help lead them to something new, to a more interesting and deeper deeper kind of improv that works on more levels, you know? Um, you know, there, and there's, as you know, there are scenes, there, there are, you know, in Austin, there are just amazing people doing all sorts of different kinds of improv. You and went to? Did you go to the institution? You went to Tom. Yes. Tom in the soft space. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, that's one example. Yeah, and 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 they have created an audience and then also educated them to to not just want dick jokes and laugh drunk at a bar, but to to be interested in more variety and deeper kinds of deeper kinds of things to explore. Right. And, and, and the reality is that the real, as you said, the really the best comedy in the world, the Bill Cosby, the whatever, you know, wherever you want to go with classic comedy is because there is something more. There's something more than the joke. There's something deeper about human nature, about relationships, about something, you know. And you start talking to that, about that with students sometimes and they get like, whoa, like it can be scary that you're saying that when they think, oh, I just started doing improv because I like to make people laugh. And you start going, you know what? Look at that character. Who is that character? Why is that character doing what they're doing? And if this character could do whatever that they want, what, uh, and, and this character has dreams and goals, and you're able to, dreams and goals and desires and secrets, and you're able to go up on stage and admit all those things, mm -hmm. because that, you being on stage, you're not on stage. Right. And how freeing that is. The moment that you're improvising or the, mo the first moment that you go, wait a minute, I can say this because I'm just voicing it. I'm not saying it. Right. Right. I'm just voicing it. Yeah. And it's that conduit that Jill Soloway was talking about, that we are merely a conduit and all these things come in. So the question is, how wide is your tube? <laughs> yes. Yes, that's a good that's a good way to put it, and that's the other thing I love about doing songcraft with people, is that you can people who are anxious about singing 
oh, it's me singing in my voice. It's not them singing. It's a character singing. You can let go of all your ego about you, your voice, all that. It's your character singing. And if you're in that character and focus on the character, and that character is speaking the truth, it's a, you know, ding, 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 you're a success. Right. Go ahead. Oh, and, and that's one of the things I love about it. I also love that in songs, characters can talk about and do things that are sometimes harder to do in scenes. Because a song can be the soliloquy, like how Shakespeare uses a soliloquy. It can be that moment when the character steps out and says, this is what I'm feeling. Underneath what I'm doing, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I want. And then goes back to the, can go back to the scene. You can do that in a scene as well. Right. But there's a way that a song can touch emotions even more. Or maybe it's just easier to be open to it in a song. It's what, this is what came to me when you said that. This is the song that came to me. Um, I don't know if it's Godspell or Jesus Christ Superstar. The I don't know how to love him. I don't know yeah, how to Jesus love him. Yeah, that's Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah, that, that stepping out and going, yeah. look, I don't know how to love him. I don't know how to do this. Right. right. I don't know how to do this. Yeah. And then back to the action. Yes. And so now you understand that much more why she's doing what she's doing. Right. Right? Because you've understood what, what she's feeling underneath. Right. Yeah. Isn't that funny that that's what came to me? so interesting yeah. why did that come to me who knows but that's a, that is that song is a really great example of that mm -hmm. you know of 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 that what you can do in song that's so amazing right. you know like that's what one of the things that why we love musical theater so much yeah and that's why we love certain people performing so much yeah. is to say there and, and going back to the idea of oh here's this character here's this character's truth the difficult thing, I think, for a lot of people is to say, to really define what the hell that means. Say there's character and there's character truth. How is David Rosowski connected to character, character truth? Right. I think that what has to happen is we've got to establish this thing called point of view. The character has a point of view. If somebody walks in and says, I'm hungry, that's what they do. That's what they're hungry. They're hungry. That character is hungry. Now, what's your truth? I'm hungry. I want to eat. What's in the fridge? I don't like the things in the fridge. I don't. We. Got, I got to go shopping. Why haven't I gone shopping? Oh my god, I have no money. Oh my god, I'm a loser. So it's all that led to that knowing that the, the first thing that you say is your point of view, and that's your mission statement. And to just go, what's the adjacent thing next to that thing? That's right, next to that thing. Right, that's next right, to that right, thing. Right, right, right. And the idea of this, and this isn't my thing, that we know everything. We know everything, but the answers are given on a need-to-know basis. So, and I've used this as an example before, we're never in a position where we go, and then that happened, and I didn't know what to do, and then I disappeared. You always know what to do. And in an improv scene, if you just say, faith. Right. Faith. It's not hope. It's faith. Right. Because it's all right there. Oh, my God, right? It's, it's all, all right, right there. there. And we are oftentimes... Just casting about, you know, flailing about, especially when, when you work with beginning improvisers. Because there's, first of all, there's like the huge fear issues that you have to address in yourself. The ego fear is the ego Yes, issues. exactly. Yes. And, and so the person who wants to do improv has to address all that stuff in a way first before you can even do anything else. Huge. But so you'll see. I'm sorry. Oh. Take, I just, I just want to oh. say how awesomely huge that is. Yes. The idea that before you can improvise you've got to deal with the fact that your ego is wanting to pull you back because this is totally outside of anything that you historically would yes. do or have been taught to do yes so what you're saying is your history your story your family your politeness your sarcasm all your baggage is not allowed on stage <laughs> or let's put it this way it's not that it's not allowed on stage it you don't need it right right and in fact, you're only going to be tripping over it. You're going to be stumbling over it because you're not going to be able to be the conduit then. You know, that, that you're not going to be able to be that open conduit because it's just going to be in the way of everything else that, that you want, that you need to be doing. Oh, but yes, so you'll see sometimes, particularly beginning improvisers in a scene, 
just casting around. I, I call it like flopping around on stage, trying to find. And then an alien came. And then a bear ate me. And then, you know, <laughs> and it's like, because they're so afraid to be in the moment. And, and all the things they need are right there. They're already right there. They don't need to be flopping around, you right. know, uh, flailing around looking for them. It's all right there, but it's hard to be. It's hard to be in the place to receive all that stuff. You need right to there. be in the place to receive all yeah. that stuff. You need to know that we're in a sacred space and there's going to be a spirit that is going to be driven through me and that's going to be riding through me. I am really the conduit to which that is coming at yeah. me and I need to be open to it. And how do I be open to it? I'd be open to it. How do I, how do I be open to it? I am open to it when I am non-attached to all those things that I am historically attached to when I leave this sacred space. Right, right. It's church. It is. It totally is. I had a student say to me once, uh, she, she, had, she had a lot of issues, but she said to me at one point, how can you be teaching me all this stuff? Because if I did this at work, I would get fired. And they said, exactly. You wouldn't do this at work. That's not the space. That's not the place to do it. This, here in the classroom on the stage, this is the space. And isn't it amazing? That we've created the space to do it here, you know, and <laughs> I think I, I think I, I think I kind of derailed her because she, I think she thought I was going to argue with her anyway. But but that thing of like, yes, it's not it's not it's not real life in that it's like you said, it's not the ways that you normally behave, and yet it's all connected to real life. It's not some mythical thing that's out there. Um, the ways that that characters behave and the things that characters do are all connected to real life. You know what I mean? They're, yeah. they're not out there in some mysterious land that I have to have the key to get there. It's all right here. Let's end there. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. Yikes. Yikes. And now the sweet potatoes performing Anyone But Me. burning sand Carry a lightning bolt in my hand Read every book that's ever been banned Testify on the witness stand But I will break down like a little baby Be weak as a kid caught in a tree If I ever found out that you were loving
Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Love is so good, make it weak in the knees. Your satisfaction will be guaranteed. Baby, you know you're my destiny. Cause you bring out all the best in me. There is no reason that I can see to love anyone. Love anyone but me. For more information on Dave, you can go to his website at www.davidrozowski.com or follow Dave on Twitter at drozowski.